Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Hey, it's mm-hmm. May 27th, and I have to say I've had a fantastic day mm. coaching agents. Yes, me too. Because everywhere I turn, all of the malaise and the fear and the loathing and probably the day drinking seems to have <laughs> been to an end, and people are absolutely slammed. Um, every single coaching call I had, people had an abnormal amount of new leads and new business coming in. And obviously, if most, if not all of our coaching clients are prominently listing agents, so they're going to get a bulk of the business when the market is going to return like it is rebounding, if anything. But it is so great. And Julie and I have so many wonderful um, headlines to share with you from all the major um, news outlets that frankly are trustworthy. A lot of them are propaganda. But the ones that Julie and I go to are definitely the ones that I think you guys can rely on as good sources of information. But the moral of the story is the housing market, just as we predicted it would, is coming back and it's coming back with a vengeance. It's sort of like, it feels like there should be like Jaws 2 music in the background, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> maybe yeah. Rocky 2. But it is definitely the sensation of relief for many of you and frankly as your coach i'm equally as relieved because it's so great to see you guys feeling optimistic and encouraged again look these government lifeline programs that hopefully all of you took full advantage of those were not supposed to be you know the thing that took you much beyond july but for many of you who you're in act you are in action you probably will not feel an economic slowdown because you can get back into action while you're learning the new skills necessary that the new market will require um but at the same time the there is tons of frankly opportunity out there mortgage interest rates are really low mortgages um the big banks have loosened up again on some of their lending standards after they worked the forbearance deal with the with the uh, government so everything right now you guys have about everything is about as good as it's going to be probably for a long time so take full advantage of it for the next four to six months any great stories from your end of the yeah, world well, people are busy 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 you know lots of uh, competing offers lots of newfound negotiating Definitely your buyers have got to have it together with their financial situation and know what lenders are putting them through. So yes, I would caution any of you guys to be showing property without an actual honest to God letter of pre-approval, not just pre-qualification. Make sure your buyers understand what's going to be required of them, particularly if they're going to have to compete, especially if they're not all cash. So yes, due to the low inventory and the resurgence in the market, it's a pretty competitive world out there. And Thus, the, world, the listing agents always win. So what's really great, I have to say, <laughs> and this is this happens every single, well, I mean, I'm 50, so the instances of sort of, you know, big black swan events in our, in <laughs> yeah. our lives up to this point have always sort of gone through the same grieving process. Mm-hmm. And what's really fantastic to see is how quick our country is, how resilient Americans yeah. are. And, and really, it, how resilient our economy is and how resilient essentially... Um, you know, well, flexible people are saying, well, okay, I'm going to have to do something else. 
and getting, you know, pulling themselves out of That's their right. basement, out of their malaise, off of Netflix, and getting back to it. Okay, so I go to a restaurant, and I'm six feet away from everyone else, and I'm wearing a mask. And I'm, But people have adapted. That's what's really yes. cool. That's what's really great to see. Now, look, it's not going to be a snapback the way it was back in February. There still are massive headwinds. We've talked about that endlessly on this podcast. But what we're trying to pass along to you is um, a real sincere feeling of optimism and an excitement at least through the end of this year. Beyond that, Julie and I's you know, looking glass gets a little bit foggy and we can't really see what's going to happen. But we are finding reports, credible reports, frankly, where people are actually saying it's, there's a really good chance that the unemployment rate could drop uh, by, you know, right now it's what, 25% or something like that. Some people are suspecting that going into next year, the unemployment rate could be cut in half. Now, that's still... An Pretty enormous bad. number of people mm-hmm. compared to you know, that are unemployed compared to the you know just basically ninety days ago. Ninety days ago, the unemployment rate was I think less than four percent. I mm-hmm. think something like that, and now it's twenty five percent. So if we go down to twelve and a half, thirteen, somewhere in there percent at the end of this year, it's still really bad. But you know what? It could have been worse, and it could have stayed worse for a long period of time. This is about is the most optimistic series of news reports from credible sources that we've ever seen. I think a lot of the economists, frankly, are really taken aback by how, again, the word is resilient, um, that the economy is. But more specifically, when you say the economy, what's the economy? That doesn't mean, really mean anything. It's all of you. It's all of us. How resilient we are. How quick we are willing to adapt. Um, and maybe we don't need all nerfed up, you know. Maybe the you know the folks in the country actually have a the basic building blocks of knowing how to take care of themselves, and we, they'll adapt and they'll push through. And we're discovering, I think, within ourselves and within our friends and our family members, um, a level of strength and a level of um, I don't know forward-looking uh, competence that mm-hmm. maybe people never thought they had it within themselves. Or certainly, if you were. Most of you, most of us have never really had to have real hardship like what we're hopefully coming out of. Maybe we're about, you know, mid-game in this whole pandemic situation. I actually have been hearing reports that they're now getting optimistic that there might be a vaccine for this damn thing by the end of the year. I mean, that's incredible. If we actually, within, if 2020, it'll either be remembered as the year of a series of disasters or a year of a series of of miracles. Miracles. The economic miracle the pandemic cure miracle and think of all the things that you just on the most optimistic perspective you can think of if all the things play out that we're hoping you know do with regards to the vaccine and the economy and all the rest of it that will forever change the pace in which we expect change to happen in all of our lives because look within 90 days we all decided hey you know what what's this zoom thing okay i can make this happen and you know people adapted to some you know all these new oddities about social distancing but look we adapted we did it and i'll tell you something else i'm seeing and and i think this is um i just only picked this up in a couple little places but i really do get this sense i think like after september 11th there are a lot of people that are coming to the realization that you only live once and you're dead a real long time. Mm-hmm. I am seeing um, and hearing people say things that I had only heard them say, you know, back in, after 2011. After 2011, uh, people uh, absolutely positively, or I'm sorry, 2001. After uh, September 2001, people absolutely positively stopped 
uh, procrastinating going on trips, procrastinating, frankly, you know, uh, having the experiences, maybe buying a sports car, moving up or, you know, whatever it was. Some people, I remember a lot of people just basically checked out of society and they started, uh, you know what, I'm just going to get an RV and I'm going to take a year off. The report that we read you yesterday about RV sales going up, maybe that's anecdotal, I don't know, but that does remind me a lot of September 11th. You know, mm-hmm. that does remind me how people behaved afterwards. Have you experienced that? I remember you and I visited, um, was it London? But it was New York. It's fairly well after, you know, not too far after September 11th as well as London. And I remember the feeling of enthusiasm and togetherness. And like, uh, I was thinking today, because I saw you texted me that about 2001, that it's almost like a forced collective motivation. Yeah. And weird. how you apply that to yourself, different people, different things, whether that means finally you're going to get in shape. You know, I belong to a bunch of uh, low carbon keto diet things on Facebook and just people sharing recipes and their victory stories and their pictures of before and after. And, and a lot of people said, all right, if I'm going to be in lockdown, I'm going to get serious about this because I really have no excuses left. <laughs> you know, I can do some online workout videos. I can, you know, cook for myself. And so I think that it's manifesting in a lot of different but positive ways. That's right. And unfortunately, Julie is actually motivating me to work out more at home than I normally would have wanted to. <laughs> Sorry. So it's the trickle, it's trickle down effect or what yeah. have you. So the, these are all, and there's so many more reasons that we're going to be constantly looking for uh, and sharing with you guys why you should be excited and you should be optimistic. Yes. Now, do keep in mind, we're not suggesting because it's impossible that things go back the way that they were. No. The old normal is never to be heard of again. We can remember it. We'll make movies about it. We might even create, you know, write folk songs about, you know, the hmm. pre-pandemic world. Uh, but it does seem that all of us are a little bit more adaptable than maybe we thought we were as we're more moving forward. And uh, you guys sense, sense within yourselves the change. Share it with each other. Let, let your friends and your family know, especially the ones that are too addicted to CNN and the rest of it. Let them know how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what you're observing. We have an unfair advantage with monitoring human behavior because we're in direct contact with literally thousands of you every single day. And so we sort of get a, you know, snapshots from all different price ranges in all different parts of the world now of how people are thinking, what they're saying and what's going on in their markets. And I'm just telling you guys across the board, and this has been consistent for almost probably a week, I am feeling and seeing no uh, negative, no negativity as far as the market direction. Everyone's becoming very optimistic and very accepting of, mm-hmm. you know, essentially what the the market has to offer them and they're all over it. I mean, I'm thinking back to a coaching call I had this morning with Rob Johnson. Now, Rob Johnson, he sold by himself $130 million of the real estate last year. And now he's not going to probably sell 130 this year. I think he said he's already closed 30 million, even basically effectively taking two months off. But the reality of it is, is he's getting a new kind of customer. The clients he's working with now are these guys that are in that $2 million price range, which in his market is entry level. So in that $2 million price range, he's seeing a lot of uh, families that are saying, I'm getting the heck out of Manhattan. I don't want to raise my kids here. I'm moving out to Greenwich, Connecticut. And Rob was looking at it the right way. He was saying, you know what? Most of my customers for the you know, up to this point in my career have been these sort of luxury and ultra luxury buyers. He sells $7 million, $10 million. He sold one for 50 million. I mean, it's amazing. And uh, those people, generally speaking, wouldn't have a lot of upward movement after they are buying their big, you know, trophy mansions. Basically, <laughs> they might buy places in the other parts of the world.
world. And, you know, for sure, billionaires have a tendency to do that. But he did not really have a lot of the type of customer where you'd have, you know, you sell him one house and five years later, another one and then another one. And he's, he was realizing that even though it's a heck of a lot more work, having to work with all these, you know, in his price range, normal price range uh, buyers primarily, primarily, he's now seeing that going forward, they are going to create a lot more, um, you know, essentially business opportunities um, in years uh, to come. And it makes him feel good because it's giving him more of a sense of security. Sure. So opposed to winning the you know golden lottery ticket and having this big twenty million dollar sale, he now can have a multiple spokes and multiple types of business that he's generating. And how about all the customers, Julie, on Premier Coaching, our clients, yeah, who absolutely. are telling us that they're seeing people move uh, to the seashores sea and they're having mm-hmm. people move out to the countryside. Yeah, and there are all these places, all these absolutely. markets that have been forgotten about are now essentially seeing these. It's not even a recovery. That's the most common re- request. I want a backyard. I want space. Right. I don't want to be in a neighborhood. I don't don't want congestion. Maybe they say I've got to be within a 45 minute drive, but there's so many communities that are going to benefit from this. And a lot of those communities had been deemed, you know, quote, too far out, too right. far away, but not so. So we're seeing some houses that are really kick-ass houses that are in, you know, more moderate price ranges. Yep. And a lot of those sellers are benefiting from that. So, you know, well, Rob I think was, it's all great. Rob, again, talking about Rob Johnson, he was giving me an example. And also our other coaching clients we have that are on the Eastern seaboard, mm-hmm. a lot of the people leaving Manhattan Aren't, and because they can work from their, you know, their Bloomberg terminals on their sitting on their mm, desk, right. they don't have to be in an office. Um, they're not just settling within the states surrounding New York City. They're actually moving out. They're moving down south. They're moving up north. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people that are saying, well, okay, I have to go in the office once a month. I'm just going to basically live someplace that's maybe a two or three hour plane flight away yeah, Charleston, from New York. Savannah, Amelia right, Island, exactly. all of these kind of like second or third market um, coastal cities right. that are not outrageously expensive. And you can still, you know, buy something decent that's in good schools and near medical without having to be in the congested city. So, guys, these are all the reasons why you should be feeling optimistic and you should be feeling excited and grateful, frankly. Look, there's going to be a lot of headwinds. There's a lot of headwinds from unemployment, a lot of headwinds just from all the uncertainty. It's going to be a political year. We're going to have to help all of you guys overcome the objection of, I've got to wait until after the election. That one's coming. You're going to be experiencing (laughs) that one come about, you know, August, September. They say that every time there's an election, anytime there's a holiday but we'll work you through it yeah. uh, but overall you know well, there's some factors so for example from housing wire the headline is is the housing market already rebounding from covid19 an update on five key indicators that will show when the market is back on track from the pandemic i thought this was really interesting these are kind of like early warning signs that things are coming back number one is a flattened curve and the report on that the status you know it's close but stay vigilant depends on what state you're in Second factor, end of stay-at-home orders. The status, we're opening back up. Um, Economic recovery is the end of the stay-at-home orders and the reopening of commercial businesses. Then something that we don't talk about that much, but is an indicator, a 10-year yield goes above 1%. That hasn't happened yet. um, So that's one one of the five things that we're looking for. Number four, decline in credit stress and jobless claims. Um, Let's see. The spike was on March 20th, but since the peak, the index has taken a dramatic dive, and they have graphs that show that. And then data from the hardest hit sectors start to trend upward. This has already started. So these are things that economists are looking at, and you know the housing sector and mortgage sector is all reporting on. So that's some good early warning signs that things are going the right direction. I saw, let's see, this isn't something I can read because it was an actual video from Diana Olick, CNBC. Um, I was talking about 
she, you know, housing is her main thing. That's what she reports on. And she was talking about how the numbers just keep on getting more and more amazing week over week with people coming back, new mortgage applications, stuff like that. Refinances are a little bit down, but they're still 176% higher we than do they have were. To, we have to, you do have to put this in perspective, though, mm-hmm. guys. At the start of this year, um, February being the last, you know, the pre-pandemic housing stats, the home sales in the housing market looked like it was going to be fantastic this yes. year. So you do have a ton of obvious, you know, call it pent-up demand, if you'd like, that is now essentially out there buying. And But I was uh, clicking around in my, you know, I monitor our different coaching clients, and I was looking to see all their new listings that are hopping, uh, popping up, and I was just uh, shocked in some cases. Like, I was looking in Miami. We've got a lot of great mm. coaching clients in Miami, mm-hmm. and we have some in particular that work, uh, that work in the, the condo buildings. And there's obviously way too much inventory down there. It's been a buyer's market down there for quite a while. But the number of new listings down there was shocking. And it's all the sellers, I think, and all the VRBO types that are looking to hit the eject button because they're fearful that there's going to be a return of the pandemic in the fall and that the market's going to readjust. And guys, look, it probably is. Those things are probably going to be true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, I don't want to throw water on this bonfire that we're trying to build of optimism, but... There's a once that happened and and if that coincides with some of these mortgage forbearance programs running their course, we will see a decidedly different housing market. It is yeah. going to, you know, change in a very negative way towards sellers. And so if you have a seller right now who's thinking that they should wait, they absolutely should not wait. And the simple mm-hmm. script is, Mr. Seller, given what's going on in the news and the economy with the pandemic and what, and whatnot, do you think there's a chance that the house might be worth less six months from now than it's worth now? And virtually every seller is going to say there's a chance. And then you obviously say, then Mr. Seller, let's do the smart thing. Let's put the house for sale now so we can take full advantage of this market. And when you do, guys, the, sell, the houses in most markets are selling themselves. That's right. And the, the rest of that script is to protect your equity from the uncertainty of third and fourth quarter. So I think that this is really a critical time. And even, you know, Diana Olick was talking about the same thing. She said the numbers are really stellar right now, but this is a cautionary tale and most likely a mini big uptake, but not going to last that long. If so it, If it's an uptake uh, off zero, though, that's uh, right, a thing. Right, off right. of how crappy it was. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So keep it in perspective. Just kind of like you're saying about unemployment, you know. 12% is still pretty awful, yep. but at least it's going the right it's direction. It's, right. it's, you know, the trajectory is good. It's not getting worse so, is the thing. Yeah, exactly. So uh, mortgage demand from home buyers shows unexpectedly strong and quick recovery as applications spike 9% from a year ago. Um, home purchase applications have risen 54% since early April, remembering that early April was basically a dead zone. Um, but that's that's been an interesting report. So, and, and I think that that goes hand in hand with what we're seeing from our coaching clients, for sure. Let's see. What else? Here's an interesting um, little snippet from Zero Hedge. Uh, let's see if I can open that. Over 40% of Brits claim that they have, quote, changed for the better during lockdowns, which we're talking about at the top of our podcast here. Um, let's see. 2,000 British adults were polled about how their daily lives were transformed because of the lockdowns. About half the respondents said they would maintain newly acquired hobbies, skills, and daily habits in a post-corona world. <laughs> love the terminology we're already using, post-corona world. Yeah, man. Um, I love it. So, Don't you? Yeah. 64% that said that smartphones were critical and 57% could not do without television. So that's still solid. Um, but they said 20% said that they slept more during lockdowns. 10% they learned new things from YouTube tutorials. Two-fifths of respondents believe these new habits and activities will increase their well-being. And one in four noticed a more comfortable life. 
that allowed, where did that go? It just flipped, I think it said allowed more um, time learning what they were interested in and a lot of reporting about uh, health and nutrition and things of that nature. I wonder what... That was interesting. I, have you thought about, Julie, what you will stop doing? Like what, along the lines of those that article, so the next question might become is, listeners, what are, what are you going to stop doing that you were doing 90 days ago, right? What is it that you haven't had in your life in the last 90 days that you don't want back in your life? Yeah, right? that's true. Well, I'll, I'll uh, also, uh, needless trips to the grocery store now that we have all of those deliveries yeah, sorted out. No and doubt. probably all, I mean, it has been interesting to see um, the people who are doing these little mini deliveries and things like that. Um, are generally unemployed or furloughed people that had previously, quote, real jobs in the hospitality industry or with the schools or different things like that. And probably they're going to either keep this as a side hustle and keep on doing it or convert to their newly growing businesses. I mean, you know, the, the lady that delivers our Costco groceries, she's not just doing that for us. She's got a whole systematized army of people that each take a list. They go and they all stand in line together. They all go on Wednesday morning and it's all delivered by the afternoon. And she charges us 60 bucks. 60 I will bucks. so not go to Costco and for stand in line for 60 bucks. Absolutely. We, we went to Home Depot <laughs> oh to gosh. pick up a dehumidifier. And what would that whole experience, like two and a half hours? Probably two and a half hours, maybe oh more. And, uh, well, plus we had to translate everything, speak Spanglish, and, and wrangle our way around. But, yeah, that was not a pleasant experience. No, but, you know. You know and and Costco a... lady, by the way, her son does Home Depot runs. I know. You told so, me that. So but my, I wanted... uh, my list would be unnecessary time-wasting experiences where I'd rather be at home spending time with my family or talking with coaching clients, doing a podcast with you, whatever. But uh, unnecessary things like that. Well, I was just thinking about, like, I'm trying to think what I would, uh, what I'm going to eliminate in my life. And I don't think anything that I, 60 to 90 days ago, uh, that I, you know, stopped doing during the pandemic or whatever. But I will tell you, I definitely have gotten more comfortable doing Zoom presentations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely be doing more of those. I have no problem. We're we're going to start broadcasting our podcast. That's going to start, you know. uh, So that's something I think everyone got more comfortable with. Um, I was talking to Brandon Jackson this morning, another Mm -hmm. coaching client, and he goes to Orange Theory. As a lot of you guys know, uh, we were huge advocates and are still of Orange Theory, but there is no Orange Theory where we live. So. Now we have kind of sort of created our own, which is also another thing. Yeah. I wonder how many other people are essentially becoming really comfortable with just doing sure. things well, at home. Well, our crappy, torturesome workout is partially from one of the coaches we know from our gym here. Yeah. But I also follow some of our old Orange Theory coaches as well. Yep. And that's all online. I mean, they'll tell you what to do. You can do it at home. You just have to get a set of weights and, you know, get your cardio going and a yoga mat and you're, you're 90% of the way there. Well, Brandon so. was saying, and he's in North Carolina, mm-hmm. he was saying that there was a, there only was allowed to be 10 people in the gym at once. And normally I think it's 24. I think that's yeah. right. So 10 yeah. people in the Orange Theory studio at once, mm-hmm. no fans. Did I tell you that? I would die. They're not allowed to turn I'll on I'll tell the you fans. right now, I'd be out for that. Okay. No fans. And the instructors have to walk around basically what amounts to full hazmat suits. Yeah, that's kind of a diminished experience. Well, but here, this is this is again one of these things that yeah. we haven't quite figured out yet. Yeah, I so, mean, hopefully that doesn't kill them off and they just modify and get used to it. I don't know. 
I don't know what the solution's going to be. Because if you are trying to schedule a, a class uh, I mean, at before, Orange Theory. I mean, before, whether it was Orange Theory or anywhere else, I I always feel like I'm being infected by something at the gym. You are, though. You know, always. it's all like, that was before COVID. I, I always <laughs> felt icky after that. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I can't have enough hand sanitizer. That's part, of, that's part of the charm of going to a gym. I guess so. Especially if you do floor exercises. Yeah, ew. It was nasty. Yeah. But the point is, is how is that business or all the businesses like that going right? to survive? I know. Anything, you know, it's just a, to me, it's a numbers thing where, you know, every business has a certain margin when they're at full capacity or near capacity and they figured that out including things like VRBO property, restaurants, gyms, spas, salons. The whole, I mean, the, the list is endless. As you've said before, 98% of the economy here is run by small businesses. Not here, everywhere. Everywhere. In the United States. That's right. And, and so it's like 99%. Yeah. Well, so if you normally operate at, say, even a 10% outrageously good margin at 100% capacity... If you have to run your business at between 20 and 50%, depending on what the regulations are for your business, there's no way that you're even going to be profitable. Yeah, you're you can't. Not... How long is that sustainable? Well, so we're in this weird sort of you know time where a lot of businesses are going to stay afloat from the government bailouts. They're going to stay afloat from their PPP loans and their mm-hmm. EIDL loans and their mortgage forbearances. And maybe they're renegotiating their leases with their all these things that are happening right now. But before those things start to really play out, before the headlines start to shift back towards the negative, because it is going to shift back to the negative, guys. That's the nature of it. Make the most of the market that you have in front of you now. And so, Julie, I was thinking, Mm -hmm. we say that all the time, and coaching clients know what the heck they're supposed to do because we tell them every day. Right. But uh, we should – well, so I always screw up the name. 90-Day Massive Action Plan? That is correct. Oh, I got it right. All right, so we are giving you guys the 90-day massive action plan as part as of the free coaching program. Um, now, just to be clear, the free coaching program is probably no more than maybe 7 or 10% of what the normal coaching program is. That doesn't matter. You still need this. It'll give you an exact day-by-day exactly what you should be doing every single day for the next 90 days. That is included with the free coaching program and along with our Ultimate Agent Survival Guide, which includes all the information how you can go about getting your own government bailout programs. So you definitely want to text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And for all of you who have been uh, communicating with us about joining our EXP team, we have been doing our best to get back with all of you uh, right away, and normally we are. But if we are taking it, uh, you know, if it doesn't, if we don't respond until the following day, please forgive us. We are absolutely interested in talking with as many of you as uh, joining Julie and I are on our EXP real estate team, our nationwide team. So all you've got to do, you can do one of two things. If you want to, if you're urgently ready to join EXP, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. If you're just in the getting ready to get started, learning the process stage, and you're wanting to learn more information about EXP and all the rest of it, then just text the word EXP to 31996. But what all of you must be doing is definitely joining the free coaching program. And we'll send you your credentials to log in. All you've got to do is text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Anything else on your mind, dear? Yeah, I mean, life goes on, right? I'm excited about the big reopening and all the deals our clients are doing. And I think I my prevailing thought, though, is still 
make hay while the sun shines because all these facts and all the stats remain true, you know, and there's going to be like the next shoe to drop when people realize that maybe everybody can't run at 20% capacity and survive. Then you're going to have a whole ton. uh, I I already see, uh, I'll give you an example, um, commercial real estate. Okay. So one of our coaching clients had a big deal in contract. I believe that they were on the buyer side, $2.2 million commercial purchase. It was pending during the pandemic, ready to close soon. The lender came back and said, unless you can get it reduced to 1.8 from 2.2, we're not going to lend on it. So because it was, I think it was either restaurant or salon oriented Mm -hmm. because they had deemed under their risk management protocol that this was no longer a good risk to lend on. So, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. So you're going to see a ton of commercial real estate come up, you know, all the, everybody goes to restaurants because we all know the margins are so low, but um, you know, when something big goes out and there, there's been, well, J crew is an example. You've got a lot of anchor stores well, that the are bailing. America basically well, yeah. has missed two mortgage payments. You, but this, these are all things for now. Everyone's going to be feeling optimistic for right. now. Everything's going to feel like it's on sale because the uh, economy, again, this amoebas thing called the economy, but has to sell off the excessive uh, inventory. Mm-hmm. The stuff that would have been sold that's still sitting in stores over the last 60 to 90 days, all that stuff's going to be sold. And a lot of it's going to be sold um, on sale because a lot of uh, cyclical, the cyclical nature of uh, product upgrades usually happens in third quarter. So there's going to be a lot of products that would have otherwise sold in first quarter that didn't sell because of the pandemic or really second quarter that are going to now be fire sold in a lot of cases. And then the new products are going to come online. I'm talking about everything you can possibly imagine from furniture to, you know, TVs to computers mm-hmm. to just everything. Cars right now. I, Julie, I sent you an article um, you're actually from Car and Driver basically talking about uh, the, it says now is the best time to buy a car. Dealerships have the supply and they're looking to create demand. If you're looking for a deal, this could be your year. Yeah. And I read that some manufacturers are discounting the cars to the dealers by 20 to 25 grand wow. just to get rid of them. Now you won't go into the dealership and they won't tell you that, but that's really what's going on. Just the, the money that's going to be thrown to clear the inventory of virtually every business is yep. going to be staggering and it's going to create a more of a sense of a boom and mm-hmm. that's and, but once that all sells off guys which it will and when the new products are being created they are going to cost more and then you're going to start most likely feeling the exact opposite things are going to feel a lot more expensive mm-hmm. we're already seeing a lot of inflation enter into um airlines you know for example if you look at for example if you're flying on a plane lately there's uh they've d- greatly diminished the um capacity they, in other words there's so much less supply out there of seats, they're now raising the prices. And you could fly anywhere in the country for easily for less than $500. Now that same ticket's going to cost $1,000, $1,200, $1,500. Um, and those are the, this, so this, that's what inflation is. All of a sudden things start feeling really expensive, whereas before they didn't feel really expensive. And you need to be knowing that that's going to inevitably come down the road. Are you doing a quick Expedia check on, uh, are you going to do a quick, you want, depends what? on where you're going completely. It's Miami's still cheap from here. Yeah. Do you want to do, uh, your mic's not anywhere near your mouth. Do you want to do things you love and things you hate? Oh gosh. I wasn't prepared for that today. I know what you love. What? You you... (laughs) tell me. Okay. I'll do what I love. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Julie and I, as you guys know, are car enthusiasts. That's a good one. Okay. We're car enthusiasts. And just today I had delivered to our, uh, house down here in the Caribbean 
1967 Mini Cooper S, a real Mini Cooper S. And this one was verified to be real and numbers matching and all that. It's and, so awesome. And this is something it. that literally Julie and I have been looking for for 20 years. Yeah. We've had a, this is a classic Mini. If you guys don't know cars, this thing, our golf cart's probably about the same. No, it, our golf cart is literally it's bigger. bigger. Yeah. yeah. So this thing is tiny. It looks like a little clown car. I put a picture of it on our, our private Facebook page if you want to see it. But it was really fun to sort of <laughs> see that thing being unloaded from the truck and knowing that that little car, 1967. So it started out in England, and uh, it was a left-hand drive, no, right-hand drive. And then it, it was brought to the United States. I found out from looking through this you know, folder of receipts, it spent some time in uh, Canada. It spent a lot of time in Texas. It's lived in Oregon. It's lived in Michigan, and, and the funny post, or I hope it was, I thought it was funny, you know, after its lifelong sojourn all over the world, you know, with different owners, now it's finally retired in the Caribbean. And As he, it should be. He looks sort of happy sitting in a garage in the picture. It does. It looks very cute. It does. It's always going to love it. Yeah, but we can't use it until it cools off right now because it's so hot oh, out. Oh, I know. It's so stinking hot. And... Uh, yeah. I know another thing you love. What? You're forgetting. There's a certain thing that's happening today in oh, like a yeah. half hour. Okay. So, uh, and I pull. think that everybody should pay attention to this. This is definitely a historic moment, and that is the NASA and SpaceX who have partnered with each other. So that's government partnering with the private sector, SpaceX, uh, for the launch of the Crew Dragon is what it's called. And there's two uh, NASA astronauts. And they're on their way to the International Space Center. But uh, this is historic because thus far, SpaceX has only been uh, sending rockets up to, you know, give supplies to the space station and stuff like that, which also was historic because that's a private sector delivery. And because SpaceX has taken off so, so quickly compared to the previous trajectory of other, even, you know, NASA or Boeing. So I think that's going to be incredible. And um, if you're, they're saying, you know, don't descend upon Cape Canaveral. That's what's happening today at 4:33 is the liftoff. They don't want you to show up. I've been to one of those, which is incredible. But if you live anywhere near there, there's no way you're going to miss it. So look towards Cape Canaveral for our uh, Florida listeners. It's going to be really amazing. And then I believe NASA has some kind of a press conference going on at 7 p.m. tonight where the astronauts should be able to call and converse with how right, How crazy is that? It's incredible. By the oh, way. There, I think I oh. read, was it 54 miles? I, I forget. It's some, some kind of crazy, like, how can you even fly that high? It is a spaceship after all. So did you see so that Elon amazing. Musk with SpaceX redesigned the spacesuits and it looks something very decidedly from Space 2001? Yes, y- it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, you guys should check it out. Just go to, uh, what is it, NASA. There's lots of different um, links for the NASA websites, but they've been um, they've been having live conferences all day with updates and what's going on and interviews with people. It's, it's quite fascinating, actually. It it's really exciting, you know. I mean, what a most bizarre year you were talking about <laughs> know, you know is this going to be a year of uh drama and disaster is this going to be a year of miracles and one way or the other it's like a decade of events is being squozen into just a few months of a year and we're barely halfway through the year i mean not it's even bonkers right yeah i'm i am grateful that zoe is old enough to be able to remember this okay so i was thinking about what's my earliest you know, event memory. I think I remember uh, watching on the TV Carter getting elected. 
And I remember, I certainly, you and I both remember when the, the Challenger disaster, because you were 16 and I was 15. But, she, you know, I want her to watch that with us. You know, she's a huge Amelia Earhart fan. She fantasizes about being a pilot. So this this will sort her out fast if she's serious. Get this, listeners. Where, so. where we live now, we live in uh, Dorado, Puerto Rico. And, and uh, where we live in this community where we live, we live in this Ritz-Carlton community. And there is an actual old runway, and explain to tell them. Well, so this this land that the area is now developed used to belong to Clara Livingston, who also is a very accomplished early female pilot. Um, She actually had a a Caribbean airline for a while and delivered um, different things with multiple planes. This was back in the 30s or the 20s? This was in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And um, she had inherited this land from her father. It was a pineapple um, what grove, I guess you would say, and 1,300 acres. And we walk past their original plantation house all the time on our six-mile walk every afternoon. Yep. But she was friends with Amelia Earhart. And in fact, when Amelia was on her last mission, which was supposed to be the first female pilot uh, flight around the world, okay, so she left from L.A., she had several stops along the way. She stopped right at that hangar to visit with Clara as one of her stops along the route. So that was one of her, unfortunately, last was stops. Was that the last stop before Not they quite lost the last. Them? There were a couple of islands that she stopped on um, to refuel. And they think that that's, you know, they don't know for sure, but they think that's where the crash, that she probably ran out of fuel. There's a lot of speculation about what actually happened, but this was one of the last stops. So that's pretty historic, you know, and... Um, Zoe's become enamored with the story and thinks that Emilio is super cool and is very sad that she hasn't been found. So this is kind of like something she's studying. That's good. And the, uh, the park, there's a children's park there, but the, there's an aircraft, the old aircraft uh, hangar hangar. that's still there. Mm-hmm. It's called the hangar. And what's it? It is called the hangar. It's called right? the hangar, yeah. and the, all the the sandbox stuff and the pool has an aviation theme. Yeah, and it's but, really cool. But the down the center of this thing is an old runway. It is the runway. Yeah, it is the runway with the with blue landing lights on both sides. So in case you are unclear about the history of uh, that particular park, it's pretty spectacular. So listeners, we cool. are optimistic. We are unbelievably happy and thrilled that you continue to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents, at least in the United States, and actually might be the world. I mean, who else is crazy enough to do a daily podcast for real estate agents? Nobody, just us. Just us. (laughs) And we are sincerely thrilled and happy that you continue to sing the praises of our book that was released. Hey, Julie, do you realize that book came out almost a year ago? I know. Seems like 100 years ago. Doesn't it? It still all applies, though. Our book is Harris Rules. You can get it, obviously, on uh, Amazon, but you can also get it if uh, Barnes & Noble opens again. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. Um, you can get it everywhere, really. It's for sale. We've seen it for sale at um, you know kiosks and airports and things like that, which I have to tell you is an absolute thrill to see that. But in any event, if you don't have the book, it's called Harris Rules. It's got, I think, four or 500 five-star reviews. I don't mm-hmm. even look anymore, really. Um, but I do. I read the reviews, but I don't pay attention to the stars. I mean, once you cross 300, I think the point's made. It's, it's a good book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you guys need us for anything... Um, Please always know that we're here for you. We're going to get through this together. We are your wingman. We are your partners in this process as we go from the old world to the new world. And I think you are all, I have to say, I'm so happy. For those that we're in real direct contact with, I'm so happy. I'm so thrilled. 
And frankly, I'm so honored to be your coach and see all of you guys push forward and adapt quickly and realize that at the end of the day, you have to basically take what the market's willing to give and be grateful for the opportunities that you have. So here's your homework from today's podcast. Please do share this podcast with as many other people as you can. Please also consider um, giving us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, Please do uh, always remember to show appreciation for everyone in your life that you should be showing appreciation for. We were showing appreciation to you guys today. We're showing appreciation for the great things that are happening right now in housing and in the economy on a whole. I ask for all of you to take that same energy and pass that forward to all the people in your life that might be needing a little bit of spike of you know optimism. And you can be that for other people. There's no reason to believe that we're not going to have a really great you know run of things for at least you know through the end of this year. So make the most of it. Let people know that this is going to be something that might be the last hurrah of the seller's market and make the most of it. Get all your ducks in a row. Prepare yourself. And look, let's just say it's six months from now or it's a year from now, it's 12, you know, whatever. And the economy is somehow rebounded and, and Julie and I were right. This is essentially going to be the year of miracles. And the peop- the the uh, <laughs> Zoe's trying to FaceTime Julie. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> she keeps on trying. She doesn't give up. She's a good follower. She, she's going to be a good prospector. Definitely. <laughs> right. So this is going to be. This is a year of. Um, if this is the year of miracles, and next year is something that no one would have predicted, as far as an unbelievable rebound in the economy and whatnot, just know that your optimism and how you're behaving amongst other people will have contributed to that. So it's time for you to get out of your bunker mentally and emotionally. Mm. It's time for you to uh, stop the day drinking, right? Uh, Polish up your skills and go out there with, you know, granted with your face mask on and let's attack together. Let's make the most of this together so that when the end of the year comes and if things are indeed slower and things are, you know, we're dealing with the pandemic 2.0 or whatever else, Worst case scenario starts rolling in, at least you'll have some money in the bank. At least you'll have some new customers. At least you'll not be worrying about money and you won't be in a, you know, essentially a yeah. financial state of destitute. So make the most of it, guys. Be very practical. Don't be spending a lot of time right now doing create creative things and wasting time. You've got to be putting yourself in a position to make money. Help people making money. That's the deal right now. That's where your focus has to be. If you guys need us for anything, reach out. God bless all of you. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.